Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Let me tell you, this morning, I can tell you, I was on the way to church and I was highly disappointed because I was so excited to be together with my church family. I mean, Sundays is my favorite day of the week and it always has been. It's not because I'm a professional minister or something like this is my job or career. No, this is something that I'm part of the body of Christ and there's something about the body coming together that you look forward to. In fact, any person that I know that doesn't love the body of Christ, I don't know if they could be close to the head if they're not close to the body. Because you can't say I'm close to Jesus, but you're not close to his body. Uh, We are the body of Christ, and I love being with the church. And some people say, I don't like the church. Well, you know, there's, there's different parts of your body that you may not like either. But that doesn't mean you can detach yourself from your body, right? You have to stay attached to the body, the body parts you like and the body parts you don't like. But we're the body of Christ, and I look forward to... Uh, being together. And let me just encourage you on Sundays, if at all possible, you can get your behind out of bed and get to church. We would love for you to come to church on Sundays. And if you don't feel comfortable, we totally understand that. But uh, but join us online and no shame uh, on that as well. We we love to join you online as well. But if, you, if you're just, you know, kicking back and all during the week, you're all out. And then on Sundays, you say, well, I think it's my day to rest. Well, it is a day, but come rest in the house of the Lord because there is rest in the presence of God. We would love to see you on Sundays, and and, uh, we do miss you today. But I was very disappointed not being able to uh, come to service today and be able to come to classes today, and we really tried. But today's message, uh, I had had forgotten that this was actually the title of it, though I'd been studying it. The day's message, uh, what I know the Lord wanted me to uh, speak on today as I as I asked him, was uh, the Lord just said the word to me, speak on disappointment. That there are people who are dealing with disappointment in their life. You ever dealt with disappointment before in your life? Disappointment. Maybe you're dealing with disappointment right now in your life. Disappointment in sometimes in a relationship. Sometimes you expected something out of someone. Expected more out of you than that. Sometimes with a spouse. Someone you're, maybe someone you're dating Maybe in a, a, a son or a daughter. I had higher hopes for you than, than you came through. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a job that you put your high hopes in and you've been working your tail off to get in there and go for it and then, and then you, get, you, didn't, you didn't get the promotion. Maybe you got the demotion. And uh, maybe it's your career that you just didn't, it didn't pan out to where it was going and then COVID hit. And all this, and you're wondering, or even God led you in a different direction, and you got disappointed with that. Like, wait a minute, I was planning on this whole thing. Maybe it's the stock market. Maybe it's investments. Sometimes it's a church that people will come in. In fact, sometimes people will come in to Memphis Tabernacle, and they'll walk in, they'll just say, this is what I've been looking for all of my life. And I almost want to sit them down for a little bit and just say, you just don't know us. I mean, (laughs) you know, we're people we're people who love God. Let me just show you. Let me tell you every flaw that we know. And they go, no, you don't understand. It's not you. It's God. And I said, well, I agree with you. God is a good God. And as long as we can keep God in here, everything's going to be okay. But don't, just don't put your trust in man, right? Amen? 
Don't put your trust in man. And we will do everything we can to stick as close as we can to God and be excellent and, and, uh, and integrous and close to the heart of the Lord. But we'll disappoint you. Sometimes churches will disappoint. Sometimes people are disappointed with God that they feel like God let them down. God promised them things. Or that God led them down a road and then all of a sudden they see God blessing other people. And they're wondering, what about them? Why are they? What's up with this? What about me? You ever, anybody ever felt that way? Yeah, yeah, okay. Nobody raised their hand on here. Well, there's not many people in here, but, but, but I felt that way before. Yeah, we felt that way before. You felt overlooked, almost like you raised your hand and you didn't get picked over and over and over and over again on different things. But I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 20. Jesus gave this parable to his disciples, I believe, about this very subject. And he said this, and I want to read it to you. Uh, I would have you normally read, but I'm just going to go ahead and read it to you, okay? Matthew chapter 20, I'm going to read 16 verses, so bear with me here. It was uh, uh, this, this landowner, uh, in one, some versions it says a master, but in a landowner, he came out and he was hiring people to work his land. And uh, the first part's about hiring time, and the second part's about uh, paying time, okay? So the first part says, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and he sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he told them, you also go out into the work, uh, into the vineyard, and I'll pay you whatever's right. Have you ever been working? Sometimes you're working hard, and you see other people standing around, and you're, and you're kind of like, what are they doing? They're standing around. And then finally they come in, and you're like, finally, you get here, right? Like, I've been here since seven, right? That's kind of what happened with them. So at nine o'clock, they're standing around, and then he says, hey, I'm going to hire you too. He told them, you also go to work in my vineyard. Verse five. It says, and they went. And he went out again at about noon, and then about three in the afternoon. He did the same thing, and about five in the afternoon. He went out, and he found still others standing around. Notice what they were doing. They weren't working other jobs. They weren't being diligent doing other things. They were, what were they doing? They were standing around, right? How many people, how many hard workers love people who stand around? No, come on. They're just standing around. Sometimes if you're a hard worker, you resent people who are just heck are they doing? Been working since seven, since sun up. They're standing around. Why have you been standing around here? He asked all day and doing nothing because no one's hired us. And they answered him. And he said to them, will you also go to work in my vineyard? Well, then it comes pay time, okay, which everybody likes. They're, hey, what time is pay time? Verse eight says, when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages. Notice, beginning with the last ones hired and going to the first. And the workers who were hired at five in the afternoon, they were hired at the end of the shift. They came and received a denarius. They got the full pay. And so those who came who were hired first, like early in the morning, they expected to receive some more. Well, wouldn't you expect to? If the guys in the afternoon got, you know, got something, you're saying, well, man, he's given out some extra, you know, today. So they expected to receive more, but each one of them received the same amount, received the denarius. It says, when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. They were disappointed. 
And these who were hired last worked only an hour, they said, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. And I want to give you the one. Uh, he says, I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave to you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my money? Or are you envious because I am generous? Listen to that question. Are you envious because I am generous? Listen to the question again, because I think it'll come up in your life many times. Are you envious because I'm generous? He says, so the last will be first and the first will be last. Well, I want to just point out a couple things about that. But Lord, I pray that you'd open this up to us and custom tailor it individually. Apply it where it applies to our life, we pray in Jesus' name. Look in verse 10. It says, when they saw... When those who came, the, notice the, the people were fine when they got hired and were agreed upon a certain wage. They were doing fine. When they got messed up was when they saw that those who were hired first got paid a certain amount and they started watching that. It says that they expected to receive more. When they saw that other, what others received, they expected more and they became disappointed with the landowner. They formed expectations. See, because disappointments are only what? They're only unmet expectations. You can't be disappointed unless you have expectations. If you don't have expectations, you can't be disappointed. But when you come and you expect something out of God, and God doesn't give it to you, well, you should be disappointed. I said, if you ex listen, if God, God is not a man that he should lie. If God says something and that he doesn't follow through, you should be disappointed. I don't give many amens on that, but that's the truth. The Bible says God is not a man that he should lie. If God promised you salvation and you did what he said to do for salvation, you, you made Jesus the Lord of your life and then he sent you to hell, should you be disappointed? Well, absolutely I'd be disappointed, right? Right? I mean, if he said he'd do it and he didn't do it, right? But here, this wage, I mean, that's an extreme case. But here in this wage, if he said, I'll give you this, and then he didn't give it to you after you worked, but that's not the case. What happened was they were fine when God was following his word. But when they begin to see what God was doing for someone else is when they got messed up. When they got their eyes on the mercy and the love and, and loving kindness of God and the generosity of God for people who didn't deserve it, and they started feeling like, I deserve it more. Do you know what I do for God? See, because when we walk in and receive the grace of God, we're like, I'm a filthy rag. I don't have anything. Oh, I just take whatever. God, I, I don't deserve a thing. I, I receive your mercy. And after a while, we start doing the right thing and we start feeling like we deserve a little bit. And then when we see God pouring out something, we say, I deserve a little bit more than them. That's when we get disappointed. Anybody ever experienced a little bit of it? Come on, somebody, somebody just say, I repent. <laughs> See, because that's what happens. That's what happens. Look at it. it, it they, they were in verse 10. It says, 
So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each of them also received the denarius. Uh, They formed expectations when they began to look at other people. Look at verse 11. And when they received, they begin to grumble against the landowner. Notice they begin to grumble against the landowner. They begin to grumble not against the people that were receiving it, but against the person giving it out. And sometimes we can look at God and say, God, why did you leave me out? But look at God never left you out. God took care of you. And we're, we're receiving the grace and the goodness and the mercy of the Lord. Look at verse 12. Those who were hired last, only one hour, it says they said, and you have made, uh, th- this is what the, the guys who worked all day. He says, those who were hired last, you've made us, you've made them equal to us. And you have, and, and who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. You know what they developed? They developed an I deserve mentality. And let me ask you, do we not do that sometimes as believers? I deserve that. Why? Because I've been reading my Bible all week. I've been serving God. I've been laying it down. I've been not serving the world. I deserve grace. The very fact of the word grace means undeserved. In fact, if you want to get into what you deserve, it's almost like God said, oh, you deserve it, huh? You want to get into what you deserve? Okay, let's play the deserve game. Let's get away from grace and get back to what you deserve. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. I'll stick with the grace. (laughs) I'll just stick with with the grace. Because the reality is you can't play grace. You can't be in grace zone and I deserve zone at the same time. None of us deserve grace. None of us deserve an ounce of grace. You know what you and I deserve? Hell. (laughs) Eternal damnation. For all, Romans 3, 23. What does it say? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How many of you have sinned? Yeah, we've all sinned. What does Romans 6, 23 say? For the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal but the gift of god is eternal life through christ jesus our lord that's where the grace of god comes in it's the gift of god that's what he's given to all of us but look at what they said here it says in verse 12 it says those who worked were hired last one they they worked one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day i deserve more than them And what's the landowner say? Well, you'll hear what he says. Verse 13, he says, uh, I'm not being unfair to you, friend, but I want you to look down to verse 15. It says, don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? Can you just say, I am generous? Say, God is generous. Say, the landowner is generous. See, God is generous and God can do what he wants to do. He can give you what he wants to give you. God can pour out his grace and his mercy upon you. He didn't give you what he gave you because you deserved it. And he's not necessarily giving them what he's giving them because they deserved it. How many times do you look at a person and you say, why is he giving them that? They don't deserve it. It's true. They don't deserve it. But neither do you. 
Because sometimes we can look at it, you know, you say, now, why is he giving to them? They don't deserve it. As if we're saying, but we do. In fact, next time you hear that, maybe you just want to slide that in. And you do? Well, maybe you shouldn't. You wouldn't walk in love. But the reality is, is that's kind of where that statement could come from sometimes. Right? Why are they giving them that? They don't deserve it. And you do? Oh, I guess I don't. But sometimes I think that I'm doing the right thing, so I start to deserve it. Listen, everything we have, everything we receive from the Lord is by faith through grace. Everything. It's by faith through grace. You can't receive it unless you receive it by faith. And you can't receive faith unless you receive it by, you, you receive the grace of God by faith. So it's his, his grace by faith through grace. Now, I want to show you one more scripture, and that's in 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. It's not a favorite scripture for people who, uh, who really want to have big goals and, you know, we're going into a uh, financial peace and people who want to succeed and be rich. I believe that God wants to bless every person. Oh, I believe he wants to bless their socks off and he wants them to be a blessing. But I tell you, there's also something that on the inside that, that money and the love of money can overtake someone's heart to the place to where they begin to follow it instead of God. They begin to think that it is what really matters and it will take them to where they need to be instead of where God does. And God wants us to be to, to trust him instead of money and other things. Look at 1 Timothy. Paul's writing to Timothy and he says this, 1 Timothy 6, 6. He says, now godliness with contentment. Can you say that with me? Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. For having food and clothing with these we shall be content for those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men into destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I want you to notice godliness with contentment. Contentment, not complacency. I don't mean you shouldn't have goals. I don't mean you shouldn't want to do better in life, but I mean internally you have contentment. I don't mean complacency. I know some people just say, well, I just, I guess I'll just, I'll just take a vow of poverty. I don't believe that God's called anybody to take a vow of poverty. I believe that God, just like you wouldn't want your kids to, to sit and not have food and not be taken care of. You want them to have sufficiency, all sufficiency in all things and being taken care of. You don't want blessing to, to have them. You want them to have blessing. That's what you want. But God wants us to be taken care of. But what he doesn't want is he, what he does want is he wants us to have contentment in our hearts. In other words, he wants something inside of us to settle to where we feel like it's enough. See, in the book of Proverbs, there's a, there's a verse that says in Proverbs, I believe it's 2720, it says that the flesh, in fact, let me read it to you, Proverbs, I think I wrote it down in here, Proverbs 2720 says, just as death and destruction are never satisfied, so human desire is never satisfied. What does it mean? It means if your whole goal is to make a million dollars, once you make a million dollars, your goal will be to make two. If your goal is to make two, once you have two, it'll be to make ten. 
And then after 10, it'll be to be a, a you know, to make a hundred. And then after a hundred, it'll be to be a billionaire. If, you, if it's to have a house, it'll be to have a bigger house. And then it's to have two houses. Then it's to have a house on the West Coast and the East Coast. Then it's to have a, two houses here and a house, you know, on the, the bottom of the country too. And then to have one overseas too. And then to have one on an island. And then to have your own island. And then, you know, it, it's never satisfied. The flesh is never, you know, it starts out with just, I just want to borrow your car. And then I just want to own a car. And then I want a new car. And then I want a better new car. And then I want two cars. And then I want multiple cars. And then I need a bigger house so that I can fit my cars. The, the, the human desire is never satisfied. But what does he say here? He says in 1 Timothy, godliness with contentment. What is contentment? Contentment says that, the, that I have God, but inside I'm satisfied. I can't get no. No, no, no. I can get some satisfaction, right? Satisfaction. Godliness with contentment is great gain. In other words, if you can be at a place where inside they say, how are you doing? And you say, I'm doing good. Yeah, but how is life going? Life's good. Really? Life's good. And can I tell you, it has nothing to do with how much money you have in the bank. Because I've seen people who, who are very rich, who have, who have uh, 10 lifetimes worth of money in the bank and in investments and are still not content. And I've seen people that are living on the streets that are still content. Why? Because contentment has nothing to do with what you possess and what you have. It's something on the inside. Godliness with contentment is great gain. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to tell you just three quick points about uh, how to eliminate disappointment. And that's this. Number one is be thankful for the goodness of God. We just sang it. Just write that down. Be thankful for the goodness of God. Listen, let your heart remain in a place of thankfulness. Let your heart stay in a place of thing. Well, that's ridiculous. I can't always be thankful. No. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 18 says in everything, give thanks, not for everything, right? Oh, I just, I just gave, I'm so thankful that I just got into a car accident. No, 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 no. Not for everything, right? I didn't get into a car accident, but I'm saying, uh, but in everything, in every circumstance, give thanks for this is the will of God. You want to be in the will of God? Be thankful for all things. In fact, right now, come on, just those that are here and those that are online, let's just stop and say, thank you, God. Come on, just say, thank you, Lord, for giving me breath in my lungs. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, that I'm in fellowship with other people who love you. Thank you, Lord. Always be thankful. Thank, let's thank the Lord for, the, for whatever position in life that you're in right now. Thank you, Lord, for God, for my singleness, for my marriedness, for my, for my family, for my friends, for, for uh, my apartment, for my home, for my car, for whatever it is. Lord, I thank you for what I have. Thank you, God, for contentment in my life today. In Jesus' name. Number two. Number one is be thankful for the goodness of God. Number two, keep your eyes off of other people. Notice that's what got them off in Matthew. They were doing okay until they started looking at what the master paid other people. Until they started looking at what, what kind of house they were in, what kind of car they drove, what kind of clothes and name brands they wore, what kind of friends they hung out with. And then that started getting them off. So keep your eyes off of other people. Just say it. Keep your eyes off of other people. 
Listen, God, here's a fact to remember. God is going to have more mercy and grace on them than they deserve. That's something that you have to remember. They don't deserve it. No, they don't. But what's the follow-up? Neither do you. (laughs) Come on, let me me just help you with that. They don't deserve it. Say it. No, they don't. But what's the follow-up? Neither do I. Yeah, they don't deserve it. Right? Just like you, they don't deserve it. So get your eyes off of other people. Again, Proverbs 20, 27 says, just like death and destruction is never satisfied, the human desire is never satisfied. There'll always be someone else to look at. You may say, well, I'm kind of keeping up with other people. Yeah, that's the people you, you're looking at now. Wait till the next level of people you're looking at. You start hanging out with those people, and then you're kind of looking up, what about those people? And then you kind of follow those people, and you say, what about those people? And how many of you know there's different societies and socioeconomic and, and, and different, uh, and, and I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about it could be knowledge. It could be science. It could be music. It could be just, it could be the arts. It could be veins of people that wherever you think you are, you start, it could be sports. You start hanging out with them and the deeper you get, the higher it goes, the deeper it gets and the more envious your heart can get. And the more you begin to blame someone in the process and your heart becomes less and less content and the more disappointed you become. I'm talking about disappointment. So what do you have to do? You have to get your eyes, say it, keep my eyes off other people. Yeah. And then number three is this, and this is a big one. Imitate the landowner. What it was the landowner? He was generous. See, sometimes we're just talking about our response. Well, I guess God can give him whatever he wants. Now be the landowner. Start giving people what they don't deserve. Start blessing people beyond you. Don't compete with them. Elevate them higher than you. Bless them more than you're blessed. Raise them up higher than you're raised. If you're competing for a position, give them a higher position. Why? That's the heart of the landowner. Didn't Jesus say the Son of Man didn't come to, can you come play? The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but he came to what? To serve. They said, oh, Jesus, come set up a kingdom. And what did he say? I'm not here for me. I already had a kingdom. I'm here for you. The Bible says, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. Imitate the landowner. Give people more grace and mercy than they deserve. Well, that's what they deserve. You want God to give you what you deserve? I don't. Come on, right now. You want God to give you what you deserve? I don't. Give people the grace and mercy that they don't deserve. What did Jesus say in the Beatitudes? Love your enemies. Do good to those who use you, who talk bad about you, who hate you, who are trying to do you in. Love them. Here's one. Pray for them and not destruction. (laughs) I pray for them. Pray that... (laughs) 
censored prayers. No, no. <laughs> no, pray for them. Pray that the Lord would bless them. Pray that the Lord would pour out his goodness on their lives. Have the heart of a landowner. Let people in on the victory. Let people in on your victory. You know, that's the thing. And sometimes we get to the end of the race and, and, and every once in a while you'll see these stories on YouTube and you see someone just about to win the race and they see someone else coming up on it and they turn around and they just slow down a little bit and they'll kind of put their arm around someone who may not have had as fair of an advantage and they'll put their arm around them and walk through the race with them because they realize life is not about being number one all the time. It's about walking through victory together. I'm not saying you well, you let someone else have victory and you don't have any, but I'm talking about let them walk through victory together. Notice the landowner, it wasn't that he didn't pay the guys. He just said, let's let everybody win. Even the lazy butts. Lazy guys, should I say. <laughs> Who didn't weren't even going to work unless they were hired. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, Now thanks be to God who gives us the victory or who always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus. I love God, and I thank him. It's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. And I thank God for this because it says, Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. And I tell God this, and I have many times I've said, God, there's been so many times in my life that I haven't deserved victory. I haven't deserved triumph but you've walked me across the victory line. And thanks be to God who always leads us in victory. Church, I think we need to be the kind of people that always walk others in victory and triumph. The three points are be thankful for the goodness of God. Keep your eyes off people and imitate the landowner. And I believe if we do that, We'll have a life of fulfillment and not discontentment in our lives. Would you bow your heads right where you are? Bring your heart before the Lord and say, Lord, I repent in my heart. Come on, I know that some just need to do that right now. Some right now online just may need to do that. Just say, Lord, I repent of discontentment. I repent of my heart going after and being frustrated with other people. Maybe people who've done me wrong, said things wrong. People who I didn't think deserved respect or my respect or my words or God's love or God's mercy. Forgive me for judgment. And Lord, I come to you today and I ask you, Lord, to forgive my heart. And Lord, I ask you to have mercy upon me. Pour your love and your mercy and give me your heart for other people. And Lord, I come and I bring my disappointments to you. Would you do that right now? Would you say, Lord, I bring disappointments to you. Everyone in this room today, everyone online today, I bring my disappointments to you. Prayers that have yet to be answered. And God, I come and I lay them at your feet and I say, you know my heart. And I pray, Lord, that that you would do what you want to do, Lord, in my life. You said in your word that if I delight myself in you, that you'd give me the desires of my heart. And Lord, if there are desires that are not of you, take them out of my heart. But God, if they're born, birthed and born of you, I pray that you'd let them be refired and rekindled 
and come alive, Lord, and burn, especially fires that have been started by God. And I speak to disappointment today in every heart. And I say, be annihilated. Be removed in Jesus' name. And I pray that the contentment and the peace and the fulfillment and the love that only Jesus can bring would fill every heart, every crack and crevice, every emotion, every thought, and every word. In the mighty name of Jesus. The most important decision any one of us can make is the decision for Jesus to be the Lord of our life. The gospel is simply this. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And Romans chapter 10 says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God's raised him from the dead, that we'd be saved. So if you believe that today and you've never confessed Jesus as Lord, would you say this with me? In fact, could we all say it together today? Say, Jesus, I confess you as the Lord of my life. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that I'm saved today. In Jesus' name. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.